two or three are gathered together in my name, I am promised to be there in the midst, and I believe the Lord's here today. And so if you would take his word this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 5, go to the beginning of your Bible, go a couple chapters over, and if you would, let's stand this morning out of respect for the word of God, Genesis chapter number 5. I forgot to, uh, with all that was going on, tonight we're going to have a special time. Uh, We had honored our graduates this morning, gave them a a nice gift, and some of you, uh, as a church family, we we gave the uh, graduates from high school, we always give our high school graduates a brand new copy of God's Word, and so each one of them got a brand new Bible, and then uh, for our college graduates, we gave them some uh, nice books, resources that, uh, to sharpen them, to encourage them. And uh, so tonight we're going to have, of course, a service at 6 o'clock. We've got the children's program, Kid City, going on at 6. We're here in the main auditorium. And i uh, got a tremendous message tonight from Philippians chapter number 3. And I know I could tell by the look and the sound from some voices this morning with Brother Webster other things, tonight's message will just pick you up. I've entitled it, Press On, Press On. I press toward the mark, and that's what we need to do in life, is just press on. So don't miss tonight, there'll be something for the children, service for the adults, and then afterwards, we're going to have a great time of fellowship. We've got a, we've got a huge cake, please, come eat some cake, and, uh, and we've, we actually have three delicious watermelons. I personally can tell you they're good. I, I, I want to make sure that you, no, nobody's going to get hurt, so I had to taste one of them to make sure that they were good. And I'll tell you, these watermelons are like candy. They're so good. So show up tonight. We're going to have a great time. And maybe uh, if you find a few, you know, nowadays watermelons are seedless. Anybody ever remember having a seed spitting contest? Yeah. And uh, some of us with, with a space between our teeth, we're better at it than others. But, but uh, we're going to have a great time tonight, so it will not be a lengthy service. We're going to have a good time, and then we're going to have a tremendous time of fellowship. Please come and enjoy it. We all need the Word of God, and we need the fellowship with God's people. Don't miss that tonight. And so Genesis chapter 5, and uh, as I was thinking about graduation, of all places, the Lord led me. To Genesis chapter 5, I don't know if I've ever preached a message on this, along these lines out of this particular portion, but I pray that uh, God will use it in your heart the way he used it in mine when I studied and prepared it. And just a couple verses as we look here, verse 21, the Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. Now we all know the name Methuselah, right? Oldest man in the Bible, right? Here's, here's the Bible question this morning. What was the name of Methuselah's daddy? We just read it. It was Enoch, right? Now, here's the next question. How old was Enoch when he became a daddy? 65. You guys are a smart crowd, all right? Now, let's read on. It says, and Enoch walked with God, underline that word after he begat Methuselah, 300 300 years, 
and begot sons and daughters. So, so watch this. Let's follow along. His first child was Methuselah. He had other children after Methuselah. He was how old when he became a daddy to Methuselah? Now watch this. After he became a dad, how long did he walk with God? 300 years. So 365 equals what? 365, smart crowd. The Mets fan even got that, all right? 365. Now look at verse 23. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Second time, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. God took him. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this word of God, this passage. Lord, I pray that you'd use it in our hearts. Lord, this is certainly a message that our graduates should listen to, but I think this is a message for everyone in this auditorium today, for the world that we live in. And I pray that you'd use it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, it's been said in life that people remember two things about us. Those two things that they remember are, number one, they remember how we begin, and secondly, they remember how we end. But out of those two things, the one thing that they remember the most is how we end, how we end our lives. It's so important how we live, but how we exit this world, and, and it, it, listen, every one of us, like Enoch and all that live and all that are here this morning, that all of us have an exit strategy for leaving this world. Uh, you know, I know a lot of times you'll go into a building and guess what you see? Somewhere in that building, you'll see a plan of escape, a plan, an emergency plan that is set into place that if there's a fire or in our day, if there's some lunatic that's shooting, that there's a way to get out of there safely. Well, you think about this, how important is it for us to realize that we're not going to be in this world forever? And I don't know if you've thought about it. Here's what I find. The younger people are, the less they want to think about exiting. It seems like the older people get, heaven just gets sweeter every day. But I think about this passage today, and it helps us understand one thing, that life is not forever. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, all go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. That one place he's talking about is death. Every one of us need to be making plans. Oh, look, we make plans. We buy life insurance. Uh, we make plans. We put money into stocks and retirement. But many have never made plans to leave this world. Queen Elizabeth I, she died in the year 1603. But her final words were these. She said, all my kingdom for a moment in time, 
I'd give everything I have for just one more moment. Sounds to me like the queen did not have a good exit strategy, a good plan in place. Today we look at a man, just a few short verses, but a man who knew how to leave this world. Enoch had developed a great strategy, and we'll look at that this morning. Even though there's very little known about his life, there is enough from the Word of God this morning for us to understand that from his life, the little bit that we do know, that it will help us how that you and I can plan to leave this world, how we can make plans to have a good exit strategy, and how that just like these graduates, that we too can graduate from this world. I want you to notice, first of all, that all of us need to plan to graduate this world saved. We need to plan to graduate this world saved. The question this morning is, are you saved? Have you had a time in your life that you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? The most important thing that you could ever do in your life is make a decision that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because what you do with Jesus will determine where you'll spend eternity. And this morning, I want you to see that the Word of God helps us to, to understand many things. Now, in the passage today that, that Enoch, there, there's not a lot about the early days of his life, just like the Lord Jesus we didn't know much about Methuselah's life. Well, all we do know from the passage is, is that when he was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. The Bible says after that child was born, an amazing thing happened. He began to walk with God. That's what the Bible tells us. And here's an even a more amazing statistic. He was 65 when he became a dad. He lived 65 years, but for the last 300, he walked with God. Something happened in Methuselah's heart. What was it about the birth of this child that caused him to put his faith in God? I think it's interesting when you study the Word of God, so many treasures and golden nuggets in the Word of God, but maybe there was something in this name of this child, Methuselah. I mean, if you stop and think about it, I remember the days when we were getting ready to have children and we got a hold of one of the worst thing you could ever do is get a hold of one of those 10,000 baby name books. And you sit there and you start to go through those names and my wife would say a name and I'd say, nah. I'd say a name and she'd say, no, I went to school with a guy that name. I, I never liked him either. We went through all those names, but I can tell you out of all the names that we ever even kicked around, I would have never said, hey, let's name him Methuselah. That's one name that I don't even know if it's in the name book, you know. But here's the name Methuselah. Now, one of the things I love about God's Word, especially the Old Testament, is many of the names have great significance. The name Methuselah, it literally means... When he is gone, it will come. Now just let that settle in for a minute. When he is gone, it will come. 
Now, if you know your Bible, Genesis 5, something happened in Genesis 6. It's called the flood. Or you could put it this way, the judgment of Almighty God. I don't think it's a mistake that God had, had Enoch name his child Methuselah. But I also don't think it's a mistake that when Methuselah was born, every time he heard the name, every time he called out his son's name, it reminded him that when his son died, that the judgment of God was coming. And I see this in this passage this morning. I mean, again, you could do the math, but you'll find that Methuselah, many believe that Methuselah died the very year that the flood came. Now, I'm not going to argue with you, but there's a lot to support that. But apparently, Enoch had been made to understand that the death of his son would signal the destruction of the world by Almighty God and that God used the birth of this child to open the heart of Enoch and to save his soul because Enoch understood that, that with the, the, the end of this, his son's life that it would be the end of this world as they knew it. It was the judgment of God. But I see that even Methuselah himself because we all know that he lived longer than any other man lived. That I think it's a great symbol there, the life of Methuselah, of the long-suffering of God, the love of God, the mercy and the grace of God, that he lived 969 years. You know what that tells me is, is that God was giving more and more and more people an opportunity to be saved. But yet we see that man did everything that was right in his own eyes. And so what does God do? As Not only in this instance, but in many others in the Bible, God will use many events to touch people's hearts and to bring them to Jesus. I would say that out of all the occasions that I've had an opportunity to share the gospel, the one that I think really probably impacts people's lives the most is at a funeral service because people sit there and do an inventory of their life. Sometimes they see someone, maybe the shell of that person in a casket in the front of the, 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 the chapel or the church, and they think to themselves, he or she is way younger than I am. And they've already left this world. None of us are guaranteed of a tomorrow. But the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. God uses things and the means that God uses to convict a person and, and then to draw that person to Jesus doesn't matter. The fact that he draws them to him is what is important. The Bible says in John 6, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. For Enoch, it was the birth of his son. For me, I remember in my life, it was a thought that if I were to die in my sin, that I would spend eternity without the Lord. I contemplated that. 
I didn't know a lot of Bible at that time, and there's still much of the Bible that I don't know today, but I, I became well aware that if you're not with the Lord in heaven, that you'll be without the Lord in a place called hell. The Bible says God is not willing that any would perish. The Bible doesn't say that God created hell for mankind. He created it for the devil and his angels. God doesn't want you to perish. And I realize that in my life, I don't know what it's going to be for you to see your need that, that, that God has provided salvation, that God has given you an opportunity to graduate this world as a saved person. But can I tell you this morning, all along God had a plan. It wasn't plan B for God, it was plan A. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. See, God had a plan. And God has a a plan for you this morning if you're not saved and you need to make sure that you have a good exit strategy to leave this world. As a matter of fact, it's the safest strategy that you could have. The Bible puts it this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, you need to understand the Bible says who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Everyone this morning and everyone in this world needs to have the right plan, and that is to graduate this world saved. But as we look at Enoch's life, Enoch was a man that not only had faith in God, but secondly, he had a plan, and the plan for Enoch's life And by the way, the plan for your life is that we will leave this world suddenly. We will leave this world suddenly. Look back in your passage this morning in verse 23. The Bible says, And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. God took him. Enoch was walking with God. Folks, just wrap your mind around that right there before we move on to anything else, that he was walking with God. (laughs) I think to myself how every day that's what I want to do. I want to walk with God. But listen, Enoch got to do something that I don't know if I'll ever get to do. The Bible was almost clear here that he was not, and God took him. It's almost as if Enoch and the Lord were walking together one day, and as they were walking, that Uh, God said to Enoch, you know what, Enoch, I think you're closer to my house than you are to yours. Why don't you just come on to my house today? What a wonderful thought. Can I tell you that that's the same house that Webster's at today? What a wonderful thought this morning. Look, we don't know the details and we can only speculate about his departure, but the Bible says in Hebrews 11.5 about this man, by faith... Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I'd say that's a great compliment right there. Enoch pleased God with his life. Are you pleasing the Lord today? I mean, if God was that pleased with you, 
that you're walking with him, that you're pleasing him, hey, maybe God would take you just like he took Enoch. The Bible says he had that testimony. By the way, you just read that verse, verse 5 out of Hebrews 11. I think all of us know what verse 6 is out of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is impossible. You see, Enoch had faith. He was a saved man. See, he, his plan was to leave saved. Are you saved this morning? But listen, he not only left saved, he left suddenly. The word that we read there out of Hebrews 11:5 5, translated. Great word. Here's what it means. It means to transfer. It carries the idea of being carried across. See, one minute Enoch was there, and the next minute he was with the Lord. I mean, just, just the thought of that. It happened suddenly, without warning. And we also need to understand that we need to make plans as we think about exiting this world as well. No matter how, uh, no matter when you leave, the, this leaving part will catch you off guard. It will come suddenly when you and I least expect it. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe, and I hope you do this morning, but if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look at the last verse, verse 18. Tremendous verse. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Folks, it's going to be an exciting thing to be translated, to be uh, carried across to, to, to understand what the Bible's describing here. And I know the, the naysayers say, well, pastor, aren't you describing, doesn't God's word here talk about something we call the rapture? And people say all the time, well, that word doesn't appear in the Bible. No, the word doesn't, but the concept is there. It's talking about raptura, which is a Latin word, something that's going to happen suddenly without warning it's something that's sudden it's selective it's serious but it can be something that's sad so what are you talking about well it's going to be sudden because there's no warning jesus is going to come and every saved person will be gone now think about that jesus is going to come without warning do you know that the lord could come back today That'd be okay with you if we went to heaven today? You wouldn't have to worry about where to go to lunch. You wouldn't have to worry about calling out sick to work tomorrow because some of you are thinking about it. You know what? All the troubles and trials of life would be over when the Lord comes back. Because according to the Word of God, it's sudden, but listen, it's selective. We'll say, Pastor, what are you talking about? According to the word of God, it says to brethren, we which are alive and remain. 
It's talking about he's going to come back for his own people. Those that know him as their Savior. If I was sitting here this morning, I would say to myself, I don't want to miss that. I want to be with the Lord. But understand this morning, it's sudden, it's selective, it's serious. Remember the name Methuselah? When he is gone, it will come. Understand this morning that when the Lord comes back, it will mark the end of this current age. And you can call it whatever you want. You can call it the age of grace, the age of missions, the age of the church, whatever you want to call it. Understand that when the Lord comes back, it's the end of this age. And it will signal the beginning of the darkest days this world has ever seen. Folks, you do not want to go through that. By the way, that's why verse 18 is there, because there are many that believe that we're going to go through that tribulation period. But listen, how can we comfort one another if we're going through tribulation? God's not going to send his people through that. He's going to deliver us from that. So many people misapply the word of God. It's a serious thing. Folks, look here. If you have, sa- if you have loved ones this morning that don't know Christ as their Savior, this is a serious thing. You need to plead with them. You need to talk to them about the Lord. If you're here this morning, even though we may not know you, we care enough about you that we don't want you to go through that time of tribulation. And you see, it's a sad thing because some will be taken and some will be left. The Bible says it in Luke 17, I tell you, In that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one should be taken, the one should be left. Two women are grinding together. The one should be taken and the other left. Two men should be in the field. The one should be taken and the other left. You see, if God tarries his coming, if God chooses to wait any longer, both saved and lost people will all leave this world through the same door and go to the same place called death, but understand what Job said. He says, I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Ecclesiastes 8, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. When death comes, it rarely gives advance warning. Brother Flynn called me. He told me about Brother Webster. I've never heard Brother Flynn struggle to say things. He just couldn't believe it. He just, he's like, Pastor, I, I, it just happened without warning. And folks, I'm telling you that you and I may not know when death will come to us, but listen to me this morning. You and I can know where we will go when it does. We can know. Look at Jesus said in John 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, what kind of life? Everlasting. Everlasting. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto what? Unto life. See, if you're lost this morning, listen to me. 
If you are lost in your sins this morning, you've never had a, po a point in your life where you have called out to the Lord, where you've asked the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin, where you've trusted Him by faith. If you are lost this morning, you do not have to stay that way. The Bible tells us in John 11, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he tacked on this question to probe her heart. Believest thou this? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? Do you believe that I am God? Do you believe that I have the power to raise you as I raised many others? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, Enoch had the plan in place. His plan was to graduate this world saved. I hope you're saved. We need to have a plan because we're going to leave this world suddenly. But I want you to see thirdly this morning... We need to plan to graduate this world serving. Plan to graduate this world serving. Go back to our text this morning. Look at verse 24. The Bible says this. And Enoch walked with God. Let's say that together. And Enoch walked. He walked with God. You say, he walked with God twice. Two times in these verses we read this morning. The Bible mentions that he walked with God. Listen, can I remind you that this is God's word? That's not Enoch's testimony about his own life. That is the Holy Spirit's testimony about the life that Enoch lived, that God looked at his life, the life of Enoch, and he saw the life of a man that pleased him. You know why Enoch pleased God? Because he walked with God. What does the word walk mean? Well, many times we think about it's putting one foot in front of the other. But when you look in the Bible, here's what you find is that walking with God indicates fellowship and obedience that results in divine favor. God was pleased with him. It's the manner of a life that results in a person living in nearness to the Lord. Now watch, look here. The Bible says in the book of Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now watch this. If I was Enoch, you cannot walk with someone unless you're right there with them. Sometimes, and Brother Gilbert's got on to me about this, but I don't walk slow. Matter of fact, I usually walk deliberate and on purpose. When I go soul winning, it, a lot of times if I'm out and I have somebody with me, I have to remind myself I've got someone with me. Not everybody walks the way I walk. So when I'm out there, a lot of times I'm, as I'm walking, I'm leaning forward and I'm walking like this. And Brother Gilbert's 30 feet behind me going, Pastor, and I'm not walking with him. Sometimes I'm with my wife and my legs are a little bit longer than hers and I'm a man, she's a woman and I could say many other things but I, I want to have a nice lunch and I won't. 
But a lot of times we're out in public and I'm walking and, and, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm just walking. I'm in my own world and I'll turn around and she's like back there and I'm like, are, are you with me? Walk with me, woman, you know? Some of you guys are laughing too hard. It's no fun to walk alone. And it's definitely not fun to walk without God. A lot of times I think about things and I, 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 this is how I look at it is I'm Enoch, and I'm walking with God. I don't, I don't see personally, I don't see Enoch walking and God coming with Enoch. I see God walking and Enoch walking with God. That's the way I see it. I, I, think, I think God knows where to go better than I do. I think, I think that God knew where Enoch needed to go more than Enoch knew where Enoch needed to go. And here he was, 65 years. We don't know a lot about what happened in his early days, but he had a son, and he was reminded about when his life is over that it will come. And for 300 years, 300 years, he walked with God. Many Christians today, the, probably the average span of a Christian life is maybe 20 years. I, I, I grow weary sometimes, and I know I shouldn't, but I, I hear people say, well, I, I used to sing in the choir, and I, I used to be an usher, and I used to do this. But Enoch walked with God for 300 years. When you talk about walking with God, you're talking about serving God. His life was dedicated to God. His life was devoted to God. And you know, I got to this place in my studies and I thought for a minute, I thought, you know what? I've never looked up. I looked up the word Methuselah to see what it meant, but I've never looked up Enoch. You know what the name Enoch means? I think it's there in your notes. It means dedicated. His name meant Dedicated, consecrated. Why? Because look at this walk that he had. And by the way, he left this world. He graduated from this world serving God. And the Bible says that he had a visible walk with God. His life demonstrated the faith that was in his heart. Folks, if it's in you, it ought to come out of you. Here was a man that served God. He didn't talk one way and live another. He didn't act a certain way on Sunday and act like the devil on Monday. He lived for God. He served God. He walked with him for 300 years. When I look at Genesis chapter 5, and you can do it yourself, I look through there and I see a lot of other men, but I don't see anyone that lived a life as remarkable and as outstanding as Enoch lived. 
we see a visible reminder here about a consistent walk with God. The Bible says in Micah 6, He has showed the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee? Here it is. I'm glad you asked God because God's about to tell you, say, well, I just don't know what to do with my life. I just don't know how I should live. I don't know what God expects out of me. Here it is right here. Do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. You know why? Because we're, we're supposed to show the world what we are by how we walk. Let me say that again. We are supposed to show this world what we are by how we walk. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 5. Let your light, whose light? Whose light? Where'd you get it from? Got it from the Lord, didn't you? Let your light so shine. Hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Is it about me? No, because it's not my light. He gave it to me. And I need to serve him with what he has given to me. And as I let my light so shine, they would see our good works. And here's the best part. Glorify your Father. God, it's all because of you. Enoch, 300 years. He served God. He had a visible walk with God. There's Enoch. Yeah. 300 years. What a waste. Really? He pleased God. You got a better testimony? How about this? He was walking with God and he was not. Whoa, try that one. You know what that means? He never had to go to a ticket counter at an airport. He never had to sit at a gate waiting for a plane. He didn't have to fight for a seat. No, he was walking with God and he was not. Where's Enoch? I don't know. Oh, he's with God. He had a visible, how visible is your walk with God today? Or do you have a walk with God? Now, here's, the, here's another aspect of his walk that I saw as I began to study is he not only had a visible walk with God, he had a vocal walk with God. A vocal walk with God. Look what the Bible tells us in Jude, and I wouldn't say Jude chapter because it's just one chapter in the Bible. But look at verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You know what that tells me? That tells me Enoch was a prophet for God. That tells me in a day, by the way, remember, this was right before the flood. Remember what they thought? They thought Noah was crazy. And here's Enoch, who not only had a visible walk for God, but that means he told people about his God, and he told them about the judgment that was to come. He preached in his generation. The way I look at it in the Bible, Enoch was probably the world's first prophet. 
He preached uh, the coming judgment of God and their need for repentance. He was, listen, he was a hard preacher, but he had a hard message. He wanted others to know about the God that he served. He was a man that knew the judgment was coming. I mean, he had been warned by God in even the name of his son. But here's the key is, he wanted others to miss that judgment also. Do we care enough to tell others? As we live in this world, may the gospel always be on our lips. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. To be the Savior of the world. See, there's a dying world that needs to hear about a living Lord. They need to hear about Jesus. And we need to tell them while there is still time. See, he was a man that had a visible message, a visible life, but he also had a vocal walk. Enoch had the right plan. He wanted to leave this world, and he left it saved. He left it suddenly. But here's a good thing is he left it serving. How are you living for the Lord today? If you left today, would you leave saved? Would you leave serving the Lord? Back in 1931, the great inventor Thomas Edison, on the last day of his life in this world, his wife leaned in close to Edison and she asked him, she said, Thomas, are you suffering? And he said, no. He says, I'm just waiting. He said, I'm just waiting. It sounds to me like Edison had a good exit strategy, and he had a plan to graduate this world. Folks, can I tell you that it pays to have a plan, and it pays to be ready to leave this world. The songwriter wrote the song that I listened to the other day, This World is Not Our Home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. It's graduation time. It could be today. Today could be the day that you meet the Lord. And I hope this morning that you're ready to meet Him. I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I'm not going to drag out the invitation, but God's given every one of you an opportunity this morning to respond to the message. And the question is simply this, are you saved? Do you know Christ as your Savior? I guarantee you that Webster this morning was glad that he had a time that he had put his faith in Christ. But have you had a moment in life that you realized that you were not saved? Because if you have not, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I wonder this morning with an upraised hand, could you give a testimony that you've had a time in your life that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Would you slip your hand up as a testimony? I am saved and I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. You can put your hands down. Some this morning did not raise your hand. But you're at a good place. 
because the Lord has shown you this morning. You see, just as when Enoch's son died, the judgment came, when the Lord comes back, the door will be closed. The opportunity to be saved will be over. And those that have never trusted in him will go through that time of tribulation. God doesn't want you to go through that. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be with the Lord? God's given you an opportunity this morning. I wonder today if you're not saved, would you be honest with the Lord this morning? Everyone's heads bowed. Everyone's eyes closed this morning. But if you're not saved and you'd like to be saved, would you slip your hand up as a testimony? You can put it up and put it right back down. If you're not saved, would you raise your hand? And you can put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning. Pastor, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Just put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Anyone this morning. I'm not sure. I want to be sure. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you would just speak to hearts as I know you already have been. Lord, whatever it is that we need to do business with you about this morning. It may just be the fact that we who are saved haven't been serious enough about the coming of the Lord. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to do business with you. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.